Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Wednesday is upon us. Got an interesting discussion we're going to have as we're going to look at some production estimates that came out on Monday. Kind of digesting a little bit of that. We're also going to talk about this weather pattern. Not only is uh, South America getting ready to plant, we've got some dryness in South America, dryness in the Black Sea region, and La Nina. How much of that is going to affect what we see for our winter wheat, guys? And the weather moving into the winter. So a variety of things all coming back to our pocketbooks as Arlen Suderman joins us with StoneX. And let's talk about these production estimates that you guys released on Monday. Yeah, we uh, do a survey every growing season. We start in August and we ask our customers um, if they had to pick a number today on the 1st of August, what would you currently project that the yield will be for corn and soybeans in your trade territory. Uh, most of our customers in the United States are commercial grain elevators, etc. that we're asking. And uh, then we um, have done this enough years, we know how to weight that to come up with a national yield and a state-by-state yield. Um, and then we do that same survey again in September, September 1, and then again October 1 and November 1. And again, we're not pre- asking them to predict what they think USDA will say in the next crop report. We're saying today, based on what you see, what do you think the final yield will be in your area? And uh, compiling all that for their September survey, it came up with 179.6 bushel corn yield, down from 1824 a month ago, reflecting the fact that August had the duration and had was one of the drier uh, months of August of the past 40 years, and their soybean yield dropped to 40. Excuse me, 52.9 bushels per acre, down from 54.2 a month ago. So we're seeing a trend toward lower yields. The surprise to some might be that both of those yields are basically still record yields. So can that be possible with the drought stress that we've had to this point? Um, That's a good question. I think one of the things that we can draw from this is how high yield potential was prior to these crops starting to get stressed. So we did take the top off these crops. There's no doubt about it. Um, But that was from a very high level of, of potential that was there before. Now, the Drought looks to continue in many key areas, especially across Nebraska, Iowa, and into parts of Illinois uh, as we go deeper into the month of September. So I wouldn't be surprised if when we do our October 1st survey, we find another decline. Um, But uh, for now, the trend is lower. Uh, Production estimates are shrinking, and, and there are other private estimates that are out lower than us and uh, that's part of the annual debate over crop sizes that we have every year i was going to say it's kind of the the same song different dance different year but when you look at the numbers in your past years you've come in pretty darn close to what the actual numbers come in come harvest time yeah our customers out there have a vested interest in knowing what the production is going to be in their area so they can properly plan for storage facilities and being able to handle the crop etc they're working with the farmers they have agronomists who are out into the field and so um, during my years at uh, farm futures when we surveyed farmers i was always watching uh, the FC Stone survey because I felt like it tracked pretty well with our producer survey, uh, fairly much of a parallel survey. 
What are we seeing on, um, as you look past those numbers, obviously our, our markets are closely going to be watching as harvest gets underway. But then we've got the dollar kind of playing into everything we're seeing in the markets lately even more, and the inflation aspect. How's it all tying together? Yeah, it's getting a lot of talk among the investment funds right now as they make their decisions on which assets and asset classes to be invested in. M1 money supply has just exploded higher. That's basically the money that people have available to them, uh, disposable to them to invest in various options. And uh, if you add savings accounts onto that, you get M2 money supply. But that's tends to be the fuel that runs the economic engine, but also has a big influence on the markets. So M1 money supply exploding higher at an unprecedented level. And then you add to that, well, M1 is, I should say, has risen 35% since, uh, since late February. The dollar fell more than 10% since the tie in March. So the two together add to the inflation story. So we've seen a lot of money coming into the commodities, which historically tend to be a hedge against inflation. Um, and that has probably given us a bigger response to the lower production estimates and the Chinese buying spree than other, we otherwise would have expected to this point. And I think that's some of the response that we could expect out of an inflation play. Now, the dollar hit a key area, a key target at around 92, the dollar index, yesterday and bounced off of it and continued that bounce today. Um, that would be natural for it to do when it reaches a major objective. Uh, now the question is, does it consolidate here or does it get a more substantial bounce? And a lot of that's going to depend on what happens with the euro, which has its own set of dynamics going on as well. Chart watchers tell me we could get a significant bounce. That might take a little bit of steam out of the inflation story near term. I don't think it changes the story long term. Well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we always focus on a big report and how it's going to affect as we head into harvest. But what about the weather? How much of that is going to take? As, as Arlen told me before we started this, we all know we flipped the calendar. We're into September. So that means South America is getting ready to get that crop started in the ground. What's the weather going to affect on them? What's the weather in the Black Sea region? And for our winter wheat guys, anxious to get into the fields and get that crop in the ground. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation with Arlen Suderman of Stonex, and let's kind of flip gears a little bit and talk weather. As we know, time of year, South America, they're getting anxious to start getting that crop in the ground. And everybody I've talked to is talking fence row to fence row on these numbers this year for them. Yeah, it's quite profitable to grow corn and soybeans in Brazil. Now, the BRL, their currency, has been strengthening as the dollar has been falling, but it's still, from a historical standpoint, it's still quite weak. It's quite profitable. Farmers are doing very well, and they have every incentive there uh, to expand corn and soybean production. they got acres to expand to without touching the, the rainforest, and uh, they're, they're doing it. Um, and uh, they've been actively hedging much more aggressively than normal, hedging currency and hedging prices. 
So in the far southern part of the country, Rio Grande do Sul and surrounding areas, they've already started with some planting, uh, first crop corn and even some soybeans, I believe. But in the main production areas, they can't start by law. They can't start producing or planting soybeans until September 15th. But they wouldn't want to anyway right now because it's dry. Their dry season is going. So the question always is, is when does the dry season end or the monsoon start to arrive, providing moisture for planting the crops? Typically, that starts happening in, in the last half of September, about the time they want to start planting. And um, it, it, not so much to keep them from planting, but to aid the um, germination and establishment. This year, uh, forecasters expect that dry season to last longer. Uh, as we look at the Euro weeklies um, that dip into October, last week they were showing that the rains were going to come on October 1st. So that would be a delay of about two weeks. Um, but that was doable. Now they have shifted this week toward continuing that dry pattern into maybe mid-October. That has some real significance. Even the two-week delay does have implications. A couple of them. First of all, what it does is our soybeans here are much more day-length sensitive than what they are there because of where they are relative to the tropics, etc. So when they delay planting, that delays harvest more significantly. And so that delays the time when they would have soybeans available for export and extends our export season. But more significantly, it really doesn't hurt their yields that much, but it does delay their corn planting, their safrina corn, which is 70, 75% of their corn production, probably going to be higher than that this year, delays it, and they have a very narrow window for getting that planted. That means they're pushing harvest back into February, they have to have their safrina corn planted really by the 1st of March to avoid it going into reproductive phase when the dry season starts again, and which can really impact yields. So the biggest concern for them is corn um, if they get delayed, and it also, as I said, does extend our soybean export season. So we're watching that very closely right now, over the, and over the next few weeks, that could have big market implications. Lack of rain there, lack of rain in the Black Sea region, causing for some concerns as well. Yeah, um, it's it's been dry, and I think it's like 70% of the wheat belt of the Ukraine, winter wheat of Ukraine and, and of Russia. And uh, hoping to get some rain soon. Because of their harsh winters that set in kind of early, they need to be planting right now, and they need to... Uh, see the crop planted basically in September and get established by the middle of October when dormancy sets in. Um, the forecast models, again, were calling for rains to start setting in there some po- point in early October, um, which would mean they could get the crop planted, but it wouldn't be fully established the way they'd like to be to be able to survive their harsh winters. Now the fo- longer-term forecasts have pushed drier again into October. So those are two key areas that could have significant implications for the wheat market because, frankly, the Black Sea and how production goes there, that sets the world price now. And um, so we're watching that closely as well. La Nina is starting to see its strength. And I know that, uh, as you and I were talking before the show, as it strengthens, that's going to have some effects on our winter wheat crop and really have effects on our livestock, everybody, all the way up into the northern tier. 
It really is. Nebraska's kind of in the transition zone. It depends on the strength of the La Nina. Right now, it's looking like a weak to moderate La Nina. Um, tends to be cool below normal temperatures and wet to the northern part of the country and tends to be warmer and drier to the southern part of the country. And the strength of the La Nina just kind of seems to make a difference on how far north or or south that line goes. Um, so we're watching that closely. Right now, a weak La Nina would allow that dryness to come up maybe into southern Nebraska, but the southern plains be pretty dry. The stronger it is, the drier the southern plains are. All right, Arlen, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? StoneX.com or Twitter at uh, handle is ArlenFF101. Well, just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network.